Hello, my name is Holly Owens, and welcome to Ed Up Ed Tech, the podcast that keeps you in the know about all the latest ed tech happenings. We interview guests from around the globe to give you deeper insights into the ed tech industry, the field of instructional design, and more. We're proudly a part of America's leading podcast network, the EdUp Experience. It's time to sit back and enjoy the latest episode of EdUp EdTech. Here's what's coming up on this episode. Education and technology were like centerpieces of who we were. To create the world that we seek, we must engineer it. To me, that's great because it's not about who says it per se, it's who receives it. EdTech is not necessarily bringing technology to the classroom. It's primarily how can we make the learning process easier, simpler, more efficient, more effective, and deeper and richer. I want to hear, how do you define EdTech? Um, I know you're the one interviewing here, but yeah. I just want Technology is secondary to the pedagogy or the andragogy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of EdUp EdTech. You're in for a real treat today. I have Dr. Azizi Satius. He is the interim chair of Department of Information and Health Data Science and the founding director of the Media and Innovation Lab at the University of Miami in Florida. Dr. Satius, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Holly. My goodness, you are good for the spirit you're good for the ego. I feel that anytime I go for another talk, I'm going to have a special request to have you introduce. <laughs> I'll be your MC. I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to do that. I'm really excited to talk to you and get into all the things that you're doing at the University of Miami. But first, we want to know your story. So tell us, how did you get here? How did you get into this space? EdTech, getting into the Media and Innovation Lab. Tell us your, about your journey. Wow. Thank you, Holly, for just the incredible opportunity to speak with your audience. And my hope is that my story will be able to inspire many because in many ways, that's really what I have committed my entire journey to do, which is to inspire others. Hopefully someone can see themselves in me and what we're doing here at the Media Innovation Lab and do something greater and bigger for the betterment of others. It all started when a little kid growing up in Jamaica, um, not Jamaica, Queens in New York, but Jamaica, the island itself, and just always being reflective about how I can really be a greater source and greater inspiration for others. I grew up in very humble beginnings, grew up in a working class family, grew up in a neighborhood that many in Jamaica would con be considered as inner city, poor community, but never saw myself as that because you know, my, my mom and my grandmother who raised me ensured that education was the way out. You know, my grandmother often said to me that there are two things that level all human beings and it's death and education, that we all have to die and 
education will, in many ways, bring you to certain spaces and give you many opportunities that you in, would even imagine you can achieve. And so in many ways, that's kind of how I went about doing that. And particularly my mom, once she had me, she really pursued education. I learned my work ethic from my mom and saw how education was a centerpiece and the roadway to escape our lived experience, a lived experience that oftentimes had strife, but never saw myself as being disadvantaged in many ways. I, I always saw myself as just my reality. I remember being one of the first kids on my, um, in my neighborhood to have a computer. I didn't know how to use it, but my mom got me one of those desktop computers that had like the Groiler um, encyclopedia and you know, oh, that's and, so cool. And, and yeah, <laughs> and, and stuff. And so education and technology were like centerpieces of who we were as a family, very humble working class family. And the only way that we could escape our lived experience was through education and through technology. So that's kind of the journey. And then did well in school in Jamaica and got a scholarship to come to United States, went to a school named the College of the Holy Cross in Worcester, Massachusetts, and just did very well there and then did well in other pit stops, um, went to University of Dallas, then Fordham University where I got my doctorate. And since there just got recruited to NYU School of Medicine and got teamed up with a fantastic group of great leaders, particularly racial ethnic minority leaders who saw my talents, I guess, and just believed in me, believed that I was the Black guy who came to NYU, who said I wanted to do AI and machine learning and do digital technology, and believed me and gave me the opportunity to do that. And since then, I have flourished. I know at the University of Miami, again, being super blessed to have leaders like our Dean, Dean Henri Ford, who's and I shared with him the vision of the Media and Innovation Lab, which I'll share with you and your audience later. He yes, said, we can't wait. Absolutely. Yeah. And he was like, you got to come. And not like to be all LeBron James, but he was like, you got to take your talents to South Beach. Like you got to leave the cold and come to sunny Florida and Miami and just been able to have uh, assemble a tremendous team of talented folks here to really execute our vision of the media and innovation line, which is reimagining academic medicine and healthcare. Oh my goodness. So many great things that we're going to hop into in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and I love your story. Sounds like you have some pretty strong and powerful and intelligent women who influenced your path and helped you along the way. And I love your story about the computer. I remember getting a compact computer, yeah. you know, the ones you rent. Yeah. Yeah, um, that yeah. was my first foray, and my grandmother awesome. actually purchased it for for us as well to get the experience. She wanted us to learn to type. Amazing, um, right? Yes, it's absolutely amazing. I wouldn't be where I am today without that kind of intervention, you know. I, I love that story, and thanks for sharing that because as as you're talking, I remember you know like a grand uncle of mine who lived in Canada. And whenever he would come to visit me in Jamaica, like he would always give me a tech device. And he was just like priming me. Like I wasn't a huge video game person or anything like that. But he knew that technology, devices, digital, 
was the way in which I could escape, you know, my lived experience, but not just escape because I love where I'm from in Jamaica, but it, 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 it opened my eyes to another world right? That absolutely. I had the Groyler Encyclopedia. And guess what I also had? I had a CD of the San Diego Zoo. Oh my goodness. That was amazing. <laughs> I lived on that. I lived on that. So that was great. <laughs> that is really awesome. And I think everybody has like an origin story of where it started with the technology for them. And yeah. ours is pretty similar. Uh, yeah. Is, which is, which is great. So we talked about your journey, your mom, your grandmother, some other people that have influenced you most recently being at University of Miami. I want to know, is there anybody else that inspired you along the way? And we need an education quote from you. So what's your favorite education? <laughs> so we need two things. Anybody else you want to shout yeah. out? And then what's your, what's your favorite quote? You know, I think there's so many, not necessarily a quote, but I remember a theory that really kind of gave me a eureka epiphany moment. I was actually teaching at a community college and I was teaching Howard Gardner. I was teaching at an institution in the South Bronx, which is known as and considered one of the poorest congressional districts in the entire United States. The students there have so much pride 68% or almost near 70% of these students are first-generation college students, primarily from immigrant backgrounds, primarily um, English is a second language. And they realized that this school was their breakthrough, right? So similar to how I shared earlier, my breakthrough, that school was their breakthrough. And me being their faculty, their professor, I was that conduit to help them through this breakthrough. And when I taught the concept of multiple intelligence by Howard Gardner, where there are multiple types of intelligence, not just the mathematical, but you could have kinetic, you can have social, all these different types of intelligence. It really helped me to share with the students who are traditionally told that they're not good enough, that they're not book smart, and therefore they had no place in society, that it allowed me to share with them that you are blessed, that you are talented, that you are intelligent. And it was for me as their professor to highlight what those talents are, to highlight what their best learning styles were, Where were they smart? Where they had their IQ highest? And I really like that because it, in many ways, helped to democratize what we mean by intelligence or intellect or smart and purpose. And I love that. Howard Gardner's, I think that's a great theory and ideal. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, yeah. That's That's a big one. And that's a common one. People go through the education programs, the teachers, especially that Howard Garner is like of our gods, I guess you could say. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And a quote that, and, and this might sound a little narcissistic, but it's something that I believe I had said like a year or two ago. And my, I was talking to a colleague yesterday and I was saying how I'm such a girl dad. And my daughter listens to whenever I give talk. She's not listening right now, but my hope yeah. is that. She will listen, listen, right? She will listen, yeah. Yes. And she writes down little sayings that I I will say, just kind of impromptu. And apparently I had mentioned, I said, 
if we want to see the world a certain way, we should create it, we should engineer it. And, and I'm paraphrasing. And, and the reason why that rung out for me is that here is it that my daughter aspires to be a technologist, an entrepreneur, an innovator, and president. And in Goodness, that, that's a lot to do. <laughs> well, you know, she, she's falling after her dad because I do a lot. Yes, yep. But, but what the kernel and the nugget of insight and truth not about what I said, but how my daughter perceived it and embraced it. And she wrote it on her dry erase board in her room. And it basically says, to create the world that we seek, we must engineer it. And so for a biracial Black girl like my daughter, who is not represented in technology, either as a leader, for her to say, this is who I can be, that I can see myself as being an innovator. I can see myself being a technologist and creating the next big gadget. I can see myself being president. To me, that's great because it's not about who says it per se, it's who receives it. And I think that's kind of one kind of nugget. Um, and I'm sure others have said other versions of that. So I'm not saying I came up with that idea. Yeah. But any sentiment like that, I think, is is a sentiment that empowerment is, is a great thing, particularly for women and, and women in tech. Yes, 100%. Love that. And love that quote that you shared with your daughter. And she took it and just went with it. Absolutely. And, and is continuing to go down a fantastic path. So you have a lot of experience in technology, all these different things, the health sector. I want to know, how do you personally define educational technology? Wow, that's a great point. So when I was at um, the community college I'd shared in, in New York, we actually had an ed tech department and great leaders there. They're still doing this. And I was part of a group of faculty who were the early adapters of bringing technology in the classroom. And so from that experience, one of the things that I took to heart and realized was EdTech is not necessarily bringing technology to the classroom. It's primarily how can we make the learning process easier, simpler, more efficient, more effective, and deeper and richer. So any technology, whether it be device or a solution or software, or even a new pedagogical modality, if it covers all of those areas where it is making education and the learning process deeper, richer, simpler, um, more efficient, more effective, that is how I define education technology. I really like that definition a lot. That really speaks to me. <laughs> Okay, good, good. good. How do you, I want to hear, how do you define it? Um, I know you're the one interviewing here, but yeah, I just want to learn from you as well. We're going to turn the tables here. So EdTech, if you would have asked me about 15 years ago, I would have said it's something in the classroom, but mm. now I see it as uh, technology is secondary to the pedagogy or the andragogy that you're, what kind of like mm -hmm. what you're saying, what the learning experience is. And I see technology yeah. as kind of, it's the catalyst to how things yes. happen, especially in a world where we are so digital now and we're, or we're hybrid. 
all the different ways in which you can absorb information. So I feel like ed tech is really bringing education to people in places where there may have not been that opportunity before. Oh, I love that. Really? I, I, I love that. that, I, love <laughs> that. I, I love that. You got to put that on a t-shirt, Holly. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put it on a t-shirt and I'm going to sell. I'm going to make lots of money off of that. <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> Just right. give me 10%. We're, <laughs> we're, in the, we're into the middle of the episode, which I love because I try my best not to do too much of a deep dive. I know who you are and what you're doing, but I want to know more about the how you founded the Media and Innovation Lab, what you do there, how you yeah. help Miami and other institutions. Tell us all the things you do. Wow. I don't know if we'll have enough time. I know. But, Give us but, an abbreviated version. Yeah. I am just so proud of what we, um, because I just want to ensure that I emphasize the collective pronoun of we, because this is not just an Aziz show. I mean, we have some, as I shared earlier, some super talented staff and others who are really in real time building and executing the vision of the Media and Innovation Lab. So the Media and Innovation Lab is really trying to tackle some core fundamental problems, core fundamental problems in healthcare, core fundamental problems in education. And how is it that we can do that? Because we say that when we deconstruct the ills in healthcare, the ills in education, the ills that we see overall in our society, how can an academic institution reinstate its value and purpose? I think AI and machine learning is kind of questioning that right now. Primarily, we're seen as the holders and purveyors and disseminators of knowledge and providing skills training so that we can help people to be active functioning members in society. That's kind of traditionally how academic institutions have been. And because they have seen themselves in that way, it's been quite narrowed where we only see ourselves as just influencing education, influencing research, and in, in healthcare settings, just influencing clinical, meaning providing care and improving public health. But what we've realized that no one institution holds all the knowledge, that when you see the democratization of knowledge and information, that we have had to retool and figure out how can we still hold a true place and value. So in order to do that, we created verticals across five core areas. And this is how we're reimagining academic medicine and healthcare and education. First, through education. What we're trying to do is that we're trying to create the next generation of innovators. Why? Because what we've looked at in education system, all the way from elementary school, all the way up to you know, professional degrees, that we primarily, in some instances, focus on the scientific method of creating things and exploring the world and coming up with discoveries, or we have done or utilized the engineering method, but we haven't looked at the innovation method. And we have built out several theories of innovation and we've created courses and curricula whereby we can impart to our academic, um, to, to our academic school, um, you know, whether it be if you're a clinician or a scientist and the like, we want to create the next generation of clinician innovators 
as well as scientist innovators. That's what we're trying to do. Research, that's the other vertical. Precision and personalized population health. We want to be the folks who are creating digital biomarkers as opposed to just physiological biomarkers because with the proliferation of IoT devices and technology devices, what if we are missing some important markers of health? And we can ascertain that through extended reality and virtual reality and new forms of capturing data. We want to also ensure that we can make participating in research a little bit more accessible through the use of decentralized trial. So instead of having participants come to us, we go to them. We've done that by creating our remote health monitoring solution called the Millbox. Third vertical, clinical care. Can we provide the right treatment to the right person at the right time, at the right dosage across different contexts? And how are we doing that? Well, we are improving on remote health monitoring solution. Secondly, we're ensuring that healthcare is provided wherever people are, that's one area. And then third, we are in, we're interested in pushing this new area called digital therapeutics, which are software-based types of prescriptive treatments that can be provided where someone who has depression or anxiety or pain, chronic pain, that they don't have to rely on pharmacological products, that they can use evidence-based tried and true digital solutions to be able to improve those health outcomes. Our fourth vertical is venture. We want to be an engine of creating new products and technologies within the academy. So it's not just Silicon Valley or there I might say Silicon Beach. That's what we're calling Miami. But Love we're it. Just, exactly. <laughs> so 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 we're not just waiting on private sector, but as academicians, we are going to be the engines turning out new technologies. And then when there are new technologies that are coming in that needs to be validated, well, there is no trusted institution like an academic institution because of the rigor that we will be able to provide. And then the fifth vertical is service and outreach. Restoring the covenant that we have as scientists and as clinicians with the community, not leaving anyone behind. We know that there is a significant digital divide and exclusion of individuals who are from the have-nots and primarily how these new technologies have been developed. They're only developed with the haves and the have-mores in mind. And what we're saying is that we need to build and innovate with in mind everyone, but primarily if it can work for individuals who are the have-nots, who would need the newest and best technologies most, then it can easily be replicated and applied to everyone else. And that's what we're doing with service and outreach. And that's how we're trying to create indelible paradigmatic shifts in healthcare education. And we at the University of Miami, we are leading this effort. We're not in it just to get in it. We are leading. You're tapping into so many different areas, not just education, not just healthcare, the community. I mean, exactly. you know, and I love it that you say we're leading this effort. We are not following people. We are leading this effort. We are making things happen. We're being innovative. We're including everyone. It's wonderful. And I, this is one of the reasons I love the show is because I learned something new, another great resource that exists. 
and that we get to share with all of you. That was very, very well said. That is the first thing I said before I didn't unmute my mic, of course. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) You've just experienced another amazing episode of Ed Up Ed Tech. Be sure to visit our website at edupedtech.com to get all the updates on the latest ed tech happenings. See you next time.